0: Um, as you all know, we have a really uh, high value of having different voices come in and, and preach on Sundays. Uh, Amy and I love to preach. We love equally as much or maybe more to hear other people preach, and so it's a great gift to us, I think, to our church in general. And today, we have a, a special guest preacher as well. His name is Benjamin Wills. He's a fellow priest. Uh, he's also the founder and head of school at Peace Preparatory Academy on the west side of town. Ever heard of it? Just kidding. That's an east side joke. Um and there's a west side of Atlanta, did you know? And uh, anyways, so he'll be speaking today on the spiritual gift or the spiritual discipline of service. I've already sat through it once, and I will be staying in this room to hear it again. It's that good. So, um, so you're about to be blessed by this man. So um, I will leave so he can come up, and God bless you all. We'll see you next Sunday. Or I will. Never mind. <laughs> Thank you, Thank you. Jenny. Oh, that was, a, that was a good time. <laughs> I like that. That was a little, a little levity so that we can talk about death. <laughs> oh, if you have Bibles and you want to open them, we're going to be in John 11, and I'm going to read a lot of verses, 17 to 44, and they're going to be on the screen there for you, and then I'm going to pray and then preach. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world." When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher's here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, And Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's such a stench because he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you. For having heard me, I know that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, you are present in and among us. Help us to more deeply sense the movement of your Spirit within us and around us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, soft hands and soft hearts willing to listen to what it is that you have for us today. Lord, make me smaller in this space and make more space for your Word to do what it has the power to do which is bring about formation in our lives for the sake of others. So in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Langston Hughes says these words in his poem, Tired. I'm so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind? Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see the worms are eating at the rind. Langston Hughes is putting language and imagination to a way we commonly feel but often don't say, particularly in Christian community. You probably don't need me to remind you this morning that death is one of those harshest realities we will experience in this life. But the imagery of a world rotten at its core, being eaten by the worms of violence, poverty, racism, classism, misogyny, sexism, Death, the gospel text this morning is a space where we wrestle with these realities, where we name them because they are in the room with us. And on one hand, we have a story that's very Lenten in nature. There's death. And on the other hand, we have a story of resurrection. On one hand, we hold the crushing realities of this fractured world. And on the other hand, we hold a greater hope, a fuller, more final word. You see, the story of Lazarus and the interaction between Jesus and the characters in it is the first fruit of the incredible end that God's bringing about in all of creation. And the space that's created by the reality that God in a body, Jesus, enters the depth of our human experience, then provides the means for human resolve. And this is confounding and it's comforting. It's challenging and it's inviting it's inviting us to take the knife to cut the world into, to live lives of service in light of the invitation to collaborate with God in the renewal of all things. And so the big idea this morning then is this, that service is our response to the invitation of Jesus to collaborate with him in the recreation of the world. It's our response to Jesus inviting us to collaborate with him in recreating the world, Another way to say this is that service is the opportunity to be like Jesus. It's the opportunity to be like Jesus. A third way, God invites us to work on the renewal, the redemption and the resurrection of all things. And this is a great privilege. Now, I want to add a side note here so to pin ourselves in on the map, The invitation this morning is about getting us to a posture of service in our time together rather than reach a destination. So I want to address primarily the how we engage in service rather than the where we engage in service, and that's on purpose. That's by design. I'm going to walk through some invitations that the text is making and some questions that we can examine in our own life to create that space for the conversation we need to have with God. Is that fair? All right. Back in. There's three invitations, I imagine, in the text this morning that are being made. The first is this. We are invited to grieve and ask God big, hard questions. We're invited by this text to grieve and ask God big, hard questions. The dialogue in this passage is rich. I would recommend a slow reading of the text this week because what you'll find on the surface are questions that go way below the waterline. We find challenging words to Jesus, questions, doubts, denial, bargaining, anger, depression, acceptance, and even a little hope sprinkled in there. We find grief. Grief is what we find. Not only do we find grief, we find resonance perhaps with the questions that are banging around in our own lives, In many ways, the women in this passage give us the language and the permission to shake our fist at God and say, why did you allow fill in the blank to take place? God, if you'd only been there, my brother wouldn't have died. God, where are you when this is happening? And I don't think we get answers to those questions. I think we get something better than answers. What we get is Jesus. We get God in a body weeping. And that gives us the green light to have the full range of human emotion. Because we let the reality sink in that the God of the whole universe, the one who was in the beginning speaking the world into existence, is now enfleshed and that body is hurting. That heart is breaking. Jesus wept. Jesus grieved, and later we're going to find Jesus asking these hard questions himself. And it's in my imagination that Jesus has the courage to ask God in the garden to let the cup pass from him because these women have shown him the way to do that. And so in this, we see that our appetite, our desire for the more pleasant emotions and experiences of life don't necessarily lead us directly to God. I would contend this morning that our appetite for comfort actually will lead us away from God and away from service, or at a minimum, it will lead us away from following the way of Jesus. Because we see Jesus, we see God in a person coming toward us in the depth of our despair, and we find that it's in fact very much like Christ to grieve and to ask God big, hard questions. And so Lent is an ideal space to reckon with our desire for comfort and the way that it leads us to lead lives of service to self rather than service to others. About a little over a year ago, we had a student killed, nine years old. One of those things that is senseless in the world we live in. And I remember the time directly after one of our teachers texted me on a Sunday night trying to come to work on Monday morning and just said, I need a word. I need a word of encouragement, a word to make sense of the senselessness of this tragedy that we're all sitting in. And the word that came to mind in that season for me was Jesus wept. I didn't have anything hopeful to say. I probably don't have much hopeful to say now about it other than to say that God comes near and is familiar to our pain. God knows what it is like to deal with the death of a friend. We see in the text and we begin to understand that life isn't best lived by the answers, but rather the questions. And we understand that God is big enough to hold us and our questions in the mystery and the tragedy of death. That's good news. And it's essential news if we're going to live lives of service. We've got to understand that service isn't going to shield us or solve for discomfort in the world around us. Service is going to lead us to more actively engage that discomfort. It's going to lead us to more actively engage the difficult, weightier emotions that we so often seek to mask or cope with. And so as our willingness to engage these emotions with God goes, so goes our service. If we're not willing to engage the things that are hard and difficult about this life, we will not engage a life of service to others. And so the question to examine here, are a couple questions, are these. What am I willing to say to God in this Lenten season about the darkness and death of life? And the other side of that question may be more difficult to ask what am I unwilling to say to God? Friends, we're communicating to God in the things that we say and do not say. And God is open to hearing us out on both. I invite you this week to take some time with these questions, and I think they're going to even go out to your neighborhood groups to spend some more time with them, and there will be more coming. The darker places, the heavier places, the tensions we pull at have the capacity, however, to take us somewhere. If we're willing to pay attention to them, we're going to see that they're inviting us in a direction and towards a posture. And so the second invitation is that we're invited to be proximate to pain, and suffering, and death. A further reading of this chapter of John, we find that this is a journeying passage. It opens with someone coming to Jesus to let him know, Lazarus is sick, he's ill. Jesus hears this news and he waits a few days. Then he lets his disciples know it's time to go. They resist saying, no, we're not going, they're out to stone you. And then Jesus, in his Jesus way, says a bunch of cryptic things about Lazarus being asleep and then maybe waking up. And then eventually he just says it plainly, Lazarus has died. Then he seems to indicate that this death is going to have a larger purpose. And so now it's time to go, to get near it. And so they go. And Jesus is stopped along the way outside of the village. And a few conversations later, he's now closer and he weeps. Eventually, he comes closer until he arrives at the tomb. And in this, what we see is that Jesus is willing to progressively move towards pain and suffering and ultimately death. What we see here is an invitation for followers of Jesus in a thoughts and prayers culture. It's imperative that we heed Jesus' invitation and do as he did and get closer and closer until we reach the point of impossibility as far as our minds can conceive. That's death. Death is hopeless, it's the end. There's a finality to what was a process. But it sets the scene for God to shatter our conceptions of what's possible and allow resurrection to rush into the room. This is the space where we begin to understand that death is part of the story, but it's not the whole. It's a lesser word, and it's defeated by the final word of resurrection, recreation. Let me just say it more plainly this morning. Wherever there's a lack of human flourishing, death is crouching at the door. Wherever injustice persists, wherever life is devalued, wherever dignity is deprived, death is in that story. And therefore, we're invited to move closer with resurrection in our sights. If I can just bear witness to this this morning, Lent has a very special place in my personal story. It's a place where God allowed me to dream. In the Lenten season of 2012, for 40 days and 40 nights, I asked God to allow me to physically dream, to understand how God wanted to show up in a community that was not experiencing human flourishing. And today, a school on the west side of Atlanta exists that educates 91 children, supports families, and provides growth and change opportunities for whole communities. Because God shared God's heart with me and allowed me to see that when we move closer to spaces like a zip code where people live 20 years less than other zip codes in our city, that God would show up there. What God showed me and I've experienced with my own body over the last decade is that when we move towards death, when we move towards a lack of human flourishing, we're not only proximate to pain, we're proximate to infinite possibility. I could fill this room with stories of the way that I've seen incredible life transformation up close and Stories of how my life has been transformed by getting to watch God do what God does. It's an absolute privilege to work in this way with God daily. And friends, this isn't a a plea for me to talk about how willing or wonderful I am. But it's to bear witness to the power of God to show up where death has been prevailing and begin to turn the tide and change the story. And Jesus, God, comes close, so close to the doorstep of death and eventually into his own death so that we might know that death is no match for our God. And this is the invitation to a faith that doesn't live in denial about death, but it lives in view of the reality of the resurrection. So with that in mind, the question to examine is this, where could God be inviting me to become more proximate to pain, and suffering and death. Where could God be inviting me to be more proximate to pain and suffering and death? There's a great exchange in this story that happens at the tomb. Jesus instructs them to take away the stone. And after initial resistance, because of the feared stench inside, the stones removed, and then Jesus completes his act of recreation by speaking with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And in this, we receive the third invitation from the text. We are invited to participate with the power of God in recreation. We're invited to participate with the power of God in recreation. Jesus is inviting those of us who are aware of the tensions and difficult emotions we're experiencing and those of us who are willing to get proximate to death to be active participants in the resurrection of Lazarus, to take away the stone as an invitation to co-labor with God, to put our hands on the problem and watch God's power show up and do the recreating work. Many scholars believe that the book of John, we find new creation theology. There's seven miracles recorded, with this being the seventh, a week of creation. There's the changing of the water into wine at Cana, there's the healing of the royal official son in Capernaum, the healing of the paralytic in Bethesda, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water, the healing of a man blind, born from birth, blind from birth, and then the raising of Lazarus. Each of these stories, we see Jesus restoring, recreating, reworking the very fabric of our imaginations about what is possible with God in the world. If we zoom in on this story, my imagination tells me that Jesus, who from the beginning was with God in creation, is now weeping over the present situation because death is dominating the story. This isn't what we had in mind. Perhaps Jesus was even preparing the disciples for his own death. Perhaps he'd like them to know that the God of creation still has the power to create. And that through though death is part of the story, it's not the whole, that new creation is coming. I'm curious, I wonder if Jesus was hell-bent on the disciples never having an imagination for death apart from resurrection. So that when he went in the tomb, they understood that he was coming back out. And Jesus invites us to allow our imaginations to believe that he is, in fact, the resurrection and the life, because he makes resurrection both a present reality and a future possibility. This is the reason we serve, because we recognize that we're invited to make earth look more like heaven today, right now. To get in on that work. And we do this freely in recognition that this is God's project and therefore accomplished by the power of God. God ultimately makes recreation possible and Jesus' instructions to take away the stone just creates the conditions for the power of God to be on full display. That's good news. When we get engaged with God in service to others, we have the opportunity to be a pass-through of the power of God on full display in a broken and dying world today. My friend Matt embodies this daily. After about a 20-year career in construction project management and completing the building of the Hershey Chocolate Corporate Headquarters in Pennsylvania, Matt and his family moved to Atlanta to lead after-school programs at Peace Prep. A few years in, as we walked and prayed and sensed a growing need for housing in our community, Matt began pursuing his license as a licensed general contractor. In 2017, he started a nonprofit to provide safe, quality, dignified, affordable housing in a community that has had a vacancy rate of around 60%, a place where death is knocking at the door. And since then, with his team, there have been 32 units transformed for the flourishing of families. And this year, we'll do over $8 million of construction to see flourishing come to a place that has been forgotten, overlooked, and I'll say intentionally neglected. And friends, let me be clear you don't have to start a nonprofit, you don't have to leave your career, you don't have to move across the country but you will be invited by God every day that you wake up to join in the process of recreation. The question is, will your hands be willing and able to join God where God is already working? This is who God is, and this is what God does in the work and the invitations to get in on it and to be a blessing in a world of curse and death. And so the question to examine here is this. What does the next right step look like for joining God in service to others? You don't have to see the end. You don't have to see the full picture. But what does the next right step look like to join God in service to others? I want to give you some tracks to explore this week in conversation with God and with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is a a spiritual location exercise, a discernment exercise to help you find out where am I? on this map. The first thing I'd invite you to do is 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 visit your church website. There's some great partners listed there that this church already partners with that would create some pathways for you to serve. If there are other places that you feel your heart is being led, think about those places or perhaps it's a person or just kind of a generic topic, something that you would say God is stirring me about this. And once you've kind of narrowed that down, I want you to find a place to get quiet and settled. And engage these questions here. So the first question you're going to ask yourself is, what are the primary emotions I'm experiencing as I consider this topic or place? Friends, this is an invitation to be an emotional investigator, not an emotional judge. You feel what you feel, and that is okay. What are the primary thoughts I have as I consider this topic or place? Again, friends, this is the invitation to be curious and not critical. If you think it, write it. What do I feel in my body as I consider this topic or place? So the invitation here is to recognize we're experiencing the world in good bodies that God created. And when our bodies interact with discomfort, they are telling us something. God made us to do this with our hands. And finally, what invitations do I sense as I consider this topic? Again, the invitation here is just to recognize that God is most often inviting us and rarely imposing. God will not force you to live a life of service, but God will invite you and will be pleased to meet you. Friends, our world's in desperate need of recreation. Our individual lives, our family lives, our communal lives, they're marred, they're scarred, they're littered with death. As Langston Hughes said, I'm tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind The invitation this Lenten season is to join Jesus in his dying by committing our lives to joining in his death so that we might participate in his recreation. And lives of service are those that echo the reality we step into that Jesus is making every last thing new. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need your help. There are places that we've fallen asleep intentionally or unintentionally and we need you to wake us up. There are things we've buried deep inside, maybe because we thought we couldn't, you couldn't handle it and maybe because we were told we had to to fit into this Christian club. Remind us today that you are willing and able to listen to us, to sit with us, to be present with us, And then to invite us further in so that we might see more of your hands at work in this world. Thank you for the invitation to make all things new. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.